Culture. Yeah! What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? It's the Millennial Minute! I am Elder Nick. This is Minister Harrell. We are back at it. We are back at it. Tonight, <coughs> brought to you by Special Demand. Yeah. I have to shout out my wife on this one because she gave us uh, the topic. What up, D? Yeah, holding it down for us in Austin. Make sure them laws get passed, baby. We are going to discuss identifying a toxic church culture. Ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buckle yeah, up, yeah. buckle up. Buckle, buckle up, up for this. Buckle up for this. So, Minister Nick, just to start this off and get this thing kicking, I think we've already shifted to fourth gear. I don't think we have to double clutch no more. <laughs> nah, we pushing it. <laughs> in your opinion, with you being an elder from the church, you being in a position uh, of almost not being where Apostle Portly sits, but being his right hand, what would you say in, in your work in ministry that you've identified with toxic cultures? Uh, man, I would say one of the main things that's a toxic culture is when people don't understand the purpose of church and the purpose of their personal relationship with Christ themselves. Mm. I'm going to throw that out there right there. So, okay. So you feel like part of it is not understanding what the purpose of the church is. Yeah. And second, it's more of an identity crisis or is it more people looking for something, hoping that the church can give them what they haven't found within themselves? I would say that's actually both of them. Both of them. Both okay. of them. Because okay. sometimes I found out that some people use church in order to, in order to, I choose choose the words. Let me use choose the words carefully. Now nah, forget that. Some people use the church in order to say this is my place where I can feel like I'm better than my situations, whether I be at home, whether it be my personal life, and sometimes they use that type of platform that they get in church. In order to step over other people, take advantage of other people, and to lash out from personal issues that's going on in their personal lives, but now they've been given a position of power, so they use that influence in order to manipulate, hurt, or take advantage of other people. I think that's very toxic. Sometimes it's saying, like, you can tell there are people that have inferiority complexes in their lives mm -hmm. because either they're, they have a really strong wife or the fact that they have really strong personalities in their personal life. And a lot of times they try to either build up or exercise that extra power that, OK, now I have a position or now people depend on me. So because of this, now I can try to control other people or make them feel less than like I've been feeling less than the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. But what, what, what you said, what you said, man, it made me think of something. It, it, even when you deal with Exodus chapter four, when Moses has the encounter with the burning bush. And it's like what you're really saying is people don't take their shoes off. They track in the world and who they are into the church instead of it being viewed as a place of holy ground. Listen, listen, I'm going to take you to Genesis three. It's, it's ordained for the child of the of the woman, the seed of the woman, in order to bruise the head of the serpent. Because guess what? And it's the serpent's job in order to bruise the, the heel of the child. Check this out. Mm. The serpent has been cursed and ordained in order to eat the dust from the ground. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But catch this. Whenever you walk in somewhere, you have your dirt tracking on you. The serpent is always coming after you to devour you and to take advantage of you and to mess up your walk. Because it is purpose to bruise your heat, not to bruise the head, but to hurt your heel. Mm. Your heel is a part of your feet that causes you to progress. So you sit here thinking you're about to progress in life, not realizing you got dirty feet. Yes, sir. And also to even touch on to what you're saying, Adam was originally made from the dust of the ground. Right. He did not become living until God blew into his nostrils. He became a nephish or living soul. Yeah. So really, in essence... Whenever you bring that sinful nature, that that worldly sense of who you are, you're bringing the dusty part of yourselves that the set, that the serpent was designated to have to crawl in his belly and to consume. And that's the reason why the uh, the phrase "the serpent is on your heels" or "the enemy is on your heels." Mm. It's literal. Mm, 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 mm. The enemy is on your heels because that's why you got to come back, go into scripture, and find that Jesus he covered himself with a garment, mm-hmm. and he said, "Let me wash your feet." Because if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. Mm. And we sit back in the church and sometimes we sit back in life saying we look at these people that are put on platforms and stuff and say, no, you can't do this for me because I'm less than you. But no, the reality is I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. Mm. And the part of the toxic culture is, is the fact that we forget and people, some people in leadership and some people within the church forget we're not here to be served. We're here to serve. If Christ himself came down, if he says that birds have nests, foxes have holes, but there's no head for the, no place for the head son to son of rest. To his head. So yes, how sir. about this? If he don't have that much, but he understands that I came to serve and not to be served, why do we come into the church saying, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and da, 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 and all these other things that's going on, opposed to saying, let's get in and work together, and how can I service either the community, how can I service the ministry? How can I service the people I interact with? The problem is, is the fact that people are not service oriented no more and they're selfish. Oh, we. Because one of the things, Nick, and you, you, man, you, you threw some bricks there. Uh, I don't know what kind of vitamins you took today, but man, I might need to get me some off of Amazon. One of the things that really gets me. And you touched on it earlier. You said people don't understand church and they don't understand themselves. Yeah. One of the things that people miss is that the church was designed to be impactful within the community. Yeah. You understand it was supposed to cater and meet the needs of those who were orphans. It was supposed to meet the needs of those who were widows. It yeah. was supposed to meet the needs of those who were oppressed. But one of the things that what you touched on. And this is something that I'm a little bewildered by is I have no problem with honoring the man or woman of God that that is in the church that I associate with or whose tutelage I'm under. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I'm confused by is I've never read in the Bible about anniversaries and the entire offering being given. I've never read anything about uh, Saints Day. I've never read anything about all what. Yeah, it was an old Baptist church. That, that did that. It was called Saints Day. And everybody wore all white and stuff like that. I didn't know if it was something with Jim Jones or something that was out in Waco. But, hey, don't drink the Kool-Aid. But I'm just saying, though, <laughs> I, I had never read nothing in the Bible that talked about that. You know, I understood the, uh, theologically how you have the festival, the moons, and things like yeah. that that the Hebrew people did. The weeks I understood that, that yeah. but it was like All Saints Day and pastoral anniversaries and... 
during the morning. So, so even part of what the toxic culture is, is what folks have added in that it personally benefited them. Man, I think we stand on this. And we've been saying this since the very first episode. It's the traditions of men that bring the word of God to no avail. These are traditions. And I'm sitting here like this. Now, now, now let me be a, let me be this kind of person. I'm going to just say this. I understand when the pastor, when people want to uh, honor the man or woman of God that's been in leadership. I understand that. Yeah. And I understand that if you want to raise the offering, I understand that too. Because truthfully speaking, I can speak for a couple of pastors that I know personally. Mm-hmm. They, according to, according to scripture, the 10%, the tithe, that's supposed to take care of the man of God, the man or woman of God, according to scripture. It's given unto God, but because they're, they're handling the things of God within the ministry, the Levites, the ones that took care of the church, mm-hmm. they don't take an offering. They don't take no money. They're given unto God, the tenth that was given unto God. And God is supposed to take care of them. And it was supposed to be the job of the children of Israel, the other tribes, to take care of them. So I get that concept conceptually, mm-hmm. but at the exact same time, we got to look at it like this. We can't put so much emphasis on just trying to say, let's raise all these other things up for the man and woman of God when they're, for one, already taking from the, from the ministry itself. And then on top of that, you're going to throw something on top of it. It's okay if, they, if y'all are able to do it, y'all want to do it. Hey, that's y'all grace. But I would say this too, that if people are going to be trying to emphasize uh, give, 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 and the pastor is the one of those people that's a thief. Yeah, I have a problem with that. When a pastor is pouring out their heart, they saw their spirit, and you see that they give so much unto their ministry. Paul said it like this: "What I give unto you is I give unto you freely. I give from my spirit. So mm-hmm. it is not it is right for me to reap from you, which is natural, because I give unto you everything that's spiritual. I get the concept, but at the same time, you got to realize." Paul wasn't taking from people like that. Paul was saying, sometimes I'm above, sometimes I'm beneath, sometimes I have, sometimes I don't. But in all things, I give God glory. So I'm sitting here like, if, you're, if you have a leader, if you have a, uh, 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 somebody that's hearing from God, that's pouring out, that's there, that's available for you Monday, Saturday, Sunday, through, Sunday through Saturday, they're there when you call in there. They're there. They're praying for you. You know that they're fasting for you. You know that they're pouring out their heart, giving you the word of God every time and being accurate on point. That's one. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the ones that's not. Too sure. The ones that's sitting up there looking, looking to be exalted every time they get a chance to. The ones that's sitting there taking the money from the church when they living in when the church is literally in the hood. Everybody else rocking around in pentos. Everybody else walking on foot, catching the bus. But yeah, you walking up in here with a Rolls Royce or a Bentley, people, I got a problem. I got a problem. And then you sit there and try to criticize everybody else because they're not dressed like you, but not realizing that you're using the church as a business in order for you to be write-offs so that you can manipulate the system in order for you to make money. I got issues then. I got issues. That's, that's, a, that's, a toxic, that's a toxic mindset, a toxic belief, saying that the first thing that we need to do is to try to start a church in order to manipulate people to make money. Church ain't about, first of all, making money. It's about making an impact in the community. I know I'm revved up. No, no, it's you're a, good. I'm about it, man. You're good. You're good. Now, I'm, I, I love to hear that because one of the things that what you had mentioned about with Paul, and a lot of people miss this in Scripture, Paul sold tents so he didn't burden the church at Thessalonica. So to me, when I hear folks say they can't work because they work in ministry, that's really the furthest thing from the truth. 
Because I'll give you a perfect example. Great pastor that I befriended. Uh, he, he, he's a phenomenal man of God. Uh, pastor T.J. Patterson with the Elm Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Shout out to you. Uh, pastor Patterson not only works for the city of Fort Worth, he's also an attorney. Mm. He's currently working in Austin mm. with the legislature. He hosts Bible study in his hotel room on Wednesday evenings, mm. and he comes back to preach on Sunday mornings at his church in Fort Worth. So to me, I can't hear nothing about, well, oh, you know, I, I got to take my salary from what the church gives me, and I got to, no, 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 because I, I see a walking example. Pastor Morris Mosley, for example, he works, he may have retired now, he may have, He's an Air Force veteran as well. He's a pastor. He worked and kept a job because even when we were kids, he worked at Time Warner and he still pastored his church. Yeah. He didn't he didn't burden the church. Pastor Ron Wicks, one of my first pastors and close mentors that I've had. I love that man just like he's a father to me. He worked for the IRS for a number of years. Mm -hmm. He retired. He still does little things here and there. He may, I, I believe he may. And he pastors a church. I've never heard him say, well, hey. Yeah, so uh, to let y'all know, we need to go ahead and raise an offering for a church bus. See, but see, here's, here's the thing that I want you to, to identify. This, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You identified people that are purposely called and have a heart of a pastor. Oh, Ooh. That's what you're calling now. Ooh, ooh. Because you just gave somebody asthma. Listen, attack. listen, because I look ooh, at it like boy. this. Ooh. How can you say that you you pastor a flock? You're supposed to be a shepherd of a flock, but yet you're eating up everything that's supposed to be purpose for the flock. Every pastor that I've known, ooh, even including my my apostle, my pastor, his dad, he, he uh who was a pastor before him, uh my own cousin who's a pastor, all these people, my both of my cousins, I have two of them. That that when they're in pastoral roles, they continue to work and grind the way that they have because they say the first thing that they don't want to do. They say, I want to give as much as I can to the ministry and to help the people of God. I don't want to be a burden by taking more than what can help the ministry, mm -hmm. because what I have a heart for is seeing people grow, seeing people change, right. seeing people mature. Almost every person that you name, though, I don't know them. I can say this for for a simple fact that they if you look at their ministry and you look at their walk, I promise you that they're trying to put more into their ministry in order to grow the ministry, to grow the people in order to be a service to the community and the people that they're working with. Mm -hmm. But then when you have these vipers and you have these wolves in this church, oh. we have issues because now instead of taking care of the sheep, you're looking at other people's skirts, you're looking at men's prints and you're sitting there trying to eat of the flock when they're not even supposed to be yours to eat. Oh, wolf, wolf. I can't, man. Wolf tickets. I, I can't, man. They sitting here looking at these people like meal tickets, man. Mm -hmm. They sitting here saying, oh, that looks nice. Oh, or even put it like this. You finally get a member that able, that's able to tithe over the 200 to $300 every, every two weeks or every week. So now let me just put them up in position, knowing for a fact that they don't have a calling for the four walls. But let me put them up in influence because if I do, then they'll stay consistent. They'll stay close to me. 
You put people in positions that are not called to be in positions. People that are there in church that are not called to be these positions. So people are out of alignment, out of, and listen, the word says if, uh, the ways of a transgressor is hard. So now we got people that's putting people in place that are not called. So they transgress against their calling against God. And they wonder why ministry hard. I don't want to hear this, man. It's, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is how God moves. Because many of the things that I was thinking to say on this podcast has come out of Nick's mouth. And Nick and I have not conversed <laughs> about any of the things that we were going to discuss on this man, evening. Man. It, it's amazing how God works, ladies and gentlemen. This is a testament of how he will confirm what it is, what needs to be said. One of the things that just came to mind with what Nick had shared with us, I believe one key missing element too. What's up? Aside from that, people have to know who God is. Come on, man. Now, this is why I say that. This is why I say that, because one of the biggest things that I'm tired of seeing, I'm frankly tired of it. I'm tired of seeing it on Facebook. Christians, I'm going to say this, and you do contribute to a toxic church culture when you say this. You are not led by your zodiac sign for your behavior. (laughs) You cannot use crystals to manifest the power of God in things. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. The secret is not going to be how manifestation happens in your life. Some of the reason why we have toxic cultures in church is because we have witchcraft, crystals, sage, zodiacs, tarot cards, um, chakras, and everything else being tried, being tried to be mixed in with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. If God himself didn't put none of that in the Bible to be used to facilitate and bring on his presence, it's not needed. You are resorting and bringing in the spirit of Jezebel. You are bringing in the spirit of witches. You are bringing in the spirit of Mesopotamian gods and goddesses with you. And one thing that you have to understand is that whenever... Something unpure tries to mix with something pure. Everything gets tainted, no matter how minute it may seem to you. Part of toxic church culture is what people are bringing in from the world and people are bringing in from cultures that did not serve God. Part of what they're bringing in are things that God did not say will come as you are. I haven't read that in the Bible. I have not read that in the Bible. People say, well, you know, it's judgmental when you say the certain things about people with the way that they dress and being provocative. And I'm going to hit somebody between the eyes with this one. Swing, swing. I've been reading a book called Black Rednecks and White Liberals. I want to give a shout out to my boy Ian Blair for, for giving me this book. Because one of the things that they said was, as Southern whites had taught blacks, a way of thinking that was counterproductive to who they were. One of the things it said is that with religion, that they would want people who use pertuitous alliteration to say things. That means that they say things and they have to be over the top when they do it. That means that they say things and there's a bunch of theatrics behind it. They say things and it has no meaning or has no purpose. I'll give you a perfect example. Mm, yeah, that has nothing to do with how Jesus preached. I never heard that he had to get a hoop. I never heard he had to hop on one leg. I never heard that he had to grab a towel and throw it. The next thing, it said that there would be people 
that would be drawn to people that are full of emotions with how they say and do things. And there had to be someone that had vivid and wild imagery. Y'all say it's doing the most, but the thing that gets me is you don't see it as doing the most when it comes to the church, but you say that in the world. You don't see that the same type of behavior is acceptable in the church, but it's not acceptable in the world. But what we had to understand was it was from a culture and a system that was taught to black people. This wasn't anything that God had taught black people. This was something that was taught to black people that became adapted and part of culture. That's the reason why many of us are attracted to preachers with flashy suits and Rolex watches and pearl cufflinks and driving Rolls Royces. Because what it had to do was there was a self-aggrandizement that came with looking, sounding, being over the top and, and being important. That's the reason why, if you notice, one of the things that we have to do in order for the toxic church culture to be addressed is we have to develop a spirit of humility. Jesus came from all authority. He came from the cattle on a thousand hill because he is not only equal to God because scripture tells us he did not find it robbery to say he was equal to God. Right, right. He did not find it robbery. He did not say it was taking anything away from God for him to say that he is equal to him. So what many of us have to understand what's so profound about this is that Jesus came as a carpenter. He didn't come in in the king's palace. He didn't come in riding with gold elephants and people carrying them everywhere he walked. And also another thing, he was so lowly to the earth as a carpenter that Judas had to kiss him on the cheek for them to even know who he was. And then they asked him, are you sure this is him? He said, yes, this is him. He said, okay, we'll arrest him. One of the things that we have to understand is, could you be so lowly in the church that the world would have to second guess if it's you or not? Man, man, if y'all don't understand how heavy this dude walking, man, listen, listen, listen. Even to the point of saying uh, he came so lowly, even when he came into Jerusalem on, on Palm Sunday that we celebrate, he wasn't even on a horse. He was on a donkey. He went, He was on a donkey, a, mm-hmm. a, a young donkey, sitting there on the side of the donkey, letting it be led, and just sitting there riding in. Oh, the donkey. The dude had all of, he literally said, if I call down the angels in order to be on my behalf, they will do it. But yet he said, I have to deal with this. And through the sufferings of Jesus, that's how you learn to obedience. The problem with the also the, another toxic behavior with the church is the fact that we don't understand how to suffer to get obedience. We don't know how to listen. The church is the main one that don't know how to turn down certain invitations, meaning whether it be entanglements, enticements, whatever you want to call it. People don't even know how to turn down the very simple things of life in order for them to progress their spiritual walk in the earth. I'm sitting like this. We can't even get the church to fast consistently, uniformly, because we all saying that I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. You mean to tell me that you can't sacrifice half a day not to just sit out and pig out every day? You mean to tell me that we can't sit sit together and literally say we're going to set a time to pray? I'll point it out like this. Mm -hmm. There's one thing. I look at different religions and I look at different things because we're in the world. We have to see everything. Absolutely. There's one thing that I respect about the uh, the faith of Islam. 
They have set times for prayer and there's a call to prayer. Everybody prays at specific times. That's the one thing that I can look at. Even though the Bible says men are always to pray, we should be praying without ceasing. And I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. At the, but I understand one thing that when you pray and when you pray with a group and you pray with the one purpose, with one goal, that power of unity, it changes things, man. I'm sitting here like this. On today, I'm sitting here looking through social media. We got so many people that sitting here praying for DMX, praying for DMX. And I'm sitting here like this. The world is praying for one of its gods. What you want me to tell you? I'm just going to call it out as it is. Mm. The other thing is we have to look at it like this. People from, from the world can pray for somebody to get healed and somebody to be made whole. But yet we can't pray uniformly in order for this government to come in alignment with the things that it owes the black people in America. We can't come into alignment to pray for the things that, of the brutalities that's going against the minorities in America. We can't pray together about these things because when we do, oh no, we're causing too many issues. We're causing too many conflicts. Another toxic trait in the church. Stop being freaking scared. Man, we cannot be sitting here thinking that we're not going to offend people. The scriptures, Jesus came to offend people. Mm-hmm. If people really saw who Jesus really was, they wouldn't like him. For one, they wouldn't like him because he was black. Two, they wouldn't like him because they understood he cut it with, he gave it to you straight, no chasing. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here like this. You got a woman coming up to you, talking to you, saying something. He said, listen, I ain't come for you. I ain't come for you at all. I literally, look, I can't give what's holy to the dogs. I can't cast my, my, my pearls among swine. But then they have to come back, humble themselves and say, you know what? Let me correct this. I haven't seen such great faith because you took an insult and you took it as it was. But then you realize, guess what? I need what you got. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to say, hey, even the dogs eat the crumbs left from the table. Mm-hmm. Wow. You actually got faith like that. I'm not even called to you, but because you have faith enough, you moved me enough. Man, listen, listen. Even the faith of the centurion. He he was a Roman soldier. Exactly. He told him, he said, hey, man, I don't even need you to stop by my house. Bob, bro. He said, all I need for you is to speak a word. The thing is, folks got such a big mouth and, oh, I'm going to tell somebody how I feel and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. But you can't give that to the devil. You can't give that to no demons in your household. You can't kick no Jezebel spirits out of your kids. You can't get rid of the witch that's on your job. You can't break the stronghold that's in your household or over your city. But you got so much mouth for everybody else. You always going to tell somebody a piece of your mind. And I'm going to let them know that they can't talk to me that kind of way. But you letting the devil run you into shambles. You ain't got your mouth open to speak against that. You ain't got your mouth open to rebuke diabetes out your body. Come you on. ain't got your mouth open to kick cancer out of your family tree. You ain't got your mouth open to have the dead come back to life. It was when he spoke to Lazarus that he called him forth and he came yes. out the grave. Yes. But some of y'all folk got your mouth open. But you can't make dead situations come back alive. Sitting here singing songs like I'm caught up in my feelings. Seriously? Get out your feelings. Jesus rebuked people openly saying, look, listen, the young, the young rich ruler, he sat there and he said, hey, I got to go, go bury somebody. Oh, wait. No, no. I'm sorry. That's the wrong story. Uh, he came up and said. No, uh, that was with the bank. That was with the bank. Yeah. But then there's another one he talked about. He said, hey, uh, I've done everything that scripture would say. What else do I need to do? Jesus pointed out, he said, hey, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. Dude turned around and walked away and was like, man, he was sad. It's like, oh, the Bible said that he was sad because he had many things. Not realizing if you come to the person 
that is the source of everything. There's the meaning behind everything. Do you not understand that that which you give, you will also receive? You will not come up lacking. He wants to see you in overflow and abundance. But yet you sitting there like, I got my head down because I don't want to be obedient to what God just told me. So now I already know we too caught up in our feelings and we too caught up in our things in order for us to really be effective in ministry. Man, come on. But see, let me let me tell you, let me let me touch on something because you said something that's very, very profound. And I I want to touch on this. I'm gonna make a lot of people mad. I really am. I'm with it. But one of the most toxic traits in our church culture is racism. And I'm saying because because for one, because for one, whites here in America have used when uh, when Noah speaks about Ham uncovering him naked. And saying what he tells him, curse be you Canaan. I don't recall him cursing him because in scripture, you can't curse what God's already blessed. Exactly. Uh, but let's, let's go a little bit deeper. But that scripture right there has been the justification for slavery. Yeah. That's been the justification for the mistreatment of black people. That has been justification for the Jim Crow policies, the Dixiecrats and everything else. Well, they're cursed people. That's the reason why it's all right not to treat them like they're human. It's a cursed people. Well, let me let me let me put a little bit of tidbit of knowledge on you. Oh my God! Please walk in. So when we look in Second Kings chapter five, and you, you won't really hear too many pastors preach out of this because we're not five hundred one C guided, so we don't have to abide by the rules and the and, and the faculties of the government with this podcast. But one of the things that you have to understand is when you read 2 Kings chapter 5, it said that Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, yeah. was um, he was cursed. And he was cursed. Yeah. And it said that his descendants would have skin as white as snow, lepers, yeah. because of his greed for money and for him to try to take something that didn't belong to him. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think it was black people that took land from the Native Americans here in this country. I I don't believe that. I I don't believe it's black people that have started wars behind money to keep wealth concentrated amongst a few white families. I mean, there's probably some black people that would be willing to do it Mm -hmm. for the right price, but you know... To have have your way, Judas. But what what we have to understand, what what what's so profound about this is that the very institutionalism of Western Christianity is built on racism. Because you have in one hand whites being superior, and you have blacks being inferior. Now let me ask you something. The same people, and I'm going to say this too, and I, I don't even care because this is our podcast. The same people you call nigger, do you think God calls them that? The same people you call darky, the same people who you say are, are cursed people, do you believe God calls them that? Man. Let me ask you something. Oh, You've taken a text that comes from the Eastern world. The Middle East was part of Africa. Let's 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 get past yes. the politicizing yes. of trying to say it's something separate. It's a part of the African continent and the continental plate of Africa, all the way through Mesopotamia, which is modern day Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. So when we hear when we hear people talk about black people and to be honest with you, Africa was called Negro land before it was ever called Africa. But people won't teach you that. Yep. But one of the things that we have to understand what's so profound about this is you've taken Eastern teachings, which the Ethiopian people is where the original Christian church was established. 
Ethiopians, man, man, hold Africans, on. hold on, Paul, hold black on. people. Let's, let's let's give them even more history lesson back because you touched on Second Kings. I'm gonna touch on in Genesis. Check this out. In Genesis, when Cain when Canaan was cursed, Canaan, he was cursed. Who was his father? Ham, right? Mm-hmm. Who was one of Ham's children? Egypt. And we sitting here this entire time. Most of these countries, most of these civilizations that we see biblically, historically, these are literally the lineages of Noah's sons. And these same lineages that we're talking about, Canaan, Egypt, all these other people, guess what? They were all black. Including Moses' wife that Miriam was mad about. She was a man. She, oh, God, we can't even go there because we keep going there. We're going to stay there. For no, a no, second. no, no. But we need to address this because she was one, one of the biggest fallacies that we have in the church is folks that say in the name of Jesus and God, we love you. And Jesus, we love our brothers in Christ and then come out of church and then they're niggers. They don't want to work. It's the illegal Mexicans that are causing and taking our jobs. And the funny part is, and I'm so glad we're discussing this, because many of the stereotypes that are given to people of color in the church by white members and other people who are black that think like them as well, those are stereotypes that were given to Southern whites when they tried to come up north to work during World War II. So what's really happened is it's a negative personification that the Northern white man has about the Southern white man that the Southern white man said, well, hey, because I can't give this back to the Northern white man, I'm going to give this to other people who are around me so that I feel better about me. Southern pride. That, that's, what, that's what that is. And that's another thing that's coming to the church is pride. That has produced the biggest toxic culture is pride. Folks leaving churches because they're mad that nobody called their name. Folks mad because nobody said what they did for pastor during the announcements, yep. what they donated during the offering, yep. or nothing else. It's pride. The same thing they got Satan thrown out of heaven, man. Where he said, "I'm gonna sit by my throne not, higher." Not yeah, see, yeah, folks. Folks always want to go higher. Folks always want to be seen higher. It wasn't even people always want to be lifted up. It wasn't even a problem if he had a throne. That's what you got to see in scripture. It wasn't a problem if he had a throne. It wasn't a problem at all. The only problem was God said there will be no other God before me. That's right. No God above me. That's the problem. And I'm sitting here like we sit back in church and we constantly saying, I want to be the best. You should be the best version of yourself. Absolutely. But just because you're the best version of yourself does not make you better than the people that are above you. If you understand how things work in progress, they can lift you higher because they have a position of being over you. Absolutely. But sometimes we have to humble ourselves because pride comes from before destruction. If we humble ourselves, guess what happens? We get exalted. But the problem is, instead of allowing the humility to allow, allow us to be recognized so that we can be exalted, guess what happens? We try to exalt ourselves, and guess what ends up happening? You get knocked down with a haymaker coming down like lightning to the earth. Absolutely. So I'm just, man, listen. Oh, we don't, we've been going, we've been going. We've been no, going. no, we, we're going to still hit the gas. But one of the things that we have to understand was so profound, and I'm not saying this to be discriminatory against solely whites because there's black people who think the same way or feel the same way. There's, there's other minorities. There's Hispanic, the Hispanic and Asians. And everybody else who feels the same way. So I'm not just epitomizing black people being the victim 
of racism within this country because that's not the case. No. But one of the things that we have to understand is it is a huge undergirth within the Western society of how Christianity is seen. Yeah. It has to do with a lot of um, of chauvinism. It has to do with a lot of misogyny. Yeah. It has to do with a lot with of, of a superiority complex. Let me give you a perfect example. T.D. Jakes, the time that Botham John was killed, rest in peace, Botham. He said in a conversation that he had with other pastors, he said, I'm frustrated at the fact that I have to tell my black church members that they have that they shouldn't be angry and that they shouldn't take to the streets and they shouldn't tear up Dallas or revolt. He said, I'm tired of having them to tell them that. But you white pastors aren't telling your congregations to stop being racist and doing things in society. Man. Now, let me give you a perfect example. There was a pastor in North Texas somewhere. I don't know if it was Frisco or McKinney. He was encouraging his his congregants to purchase ammunition and to buy food. And then he said, well, you know, it's just because of the times we're in and I'm scared. But my thing is, if fear is what's motivating you, that's not of God to begin with, with you being a pastor. And what you're doing is you're perpetuating that same toxic culture of white frailty to justify why there's racism and why people do the systematic things that they do. Why would you encourage, as a pastor, people to purchase ammunition to defend themselves and to buy food, but in the same breath, You'll say, well, I don't understand why our black brothers and sisters don't fellowship with us. Who 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 would want to fellowship with that? Man. This 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 is something, this is just gonna be my heart coming out real quick. Cause I mean, early was just my passion. This is my heart now. When I look at the when I look at the communities that I've been a part of and I've seen, one of the things that have been really transparent and that I really feel like this. One of the most accepting communities that's out there, even though racism still abides in all of these systems, one of the one of the most accepting systems is the poorest people in the country. Because one of the things I say, and here's where I'm about to say, go with this. Mm-hmm. When you deal with people that already don't have, they're the most giving. When you already deal with people that have been the most overlooked, they're the most understanding. Mm-hmm. And then when you have all these things, but then when you have the people that have everything, they're the main ones that are the least giving, the least understanding. And when they do give, they give in order to be recognized. They don't give to really help. Absolutely. When they when they need to be understanding, they don't understand from the place of being in that same position. They don't understand. One of the things that I'll I'll give credit to, I'll give credit to a, a billionaire now. And that's one person, Tyler Perry. I'll give credit to him for for maybe this one reason. Okay. When situations and issues happen in his community, he's not silent about it. He's vocal. And in addition to that, he put his money where his mouth is. When we had the losses over 2019, 2020, this man then came out of his pocket and other black people, influential black people as well. They put their money up and start paying for funerals, making sure that people's families were taken care of, even after the fact. And a lot of times they was trying to do it with no credit, but it still got out. So I'm sitting here like this. If we're going to say we're going to move forward because dog, we got to get we got to get to a solution. We got to get to a solution. If we're going to move, if we're going to move forward as a community. And I'm saying this to to our to our white counterparts, to our Hispanic counterparts, our Asian counterparts, to all minority groups. But one, we have to get beyond the fact of whether or not I'm in one position or another and get beyond the fact of our skin tone and realize 
being up below your skin tone is one color that we all have, and it's red. That's right. How can we say that you my brother and you my sister, but you don't stand up when you see my brother and my sister being oppressed? How can you say you my brother and my sister, but yet you're the same person that literally saying buy food and ammunition because I'm scared? How can you call me your brother or my or my sister in the same breath? You seeing that we're being villainized, vandalized, oppressed, sent to prison, obviously constantly being uh, victimized by the police brutality. But yet the very few that are standing up are the same ones that being attacked by you. I don't want to hear it. I won't hear anything else until I see progression from your own community. I'm not I'm not hearing it no more until until it becomes a consistent conversation saying that, hey, this is racist behavior. This is something that is taught. This is something that has to be dismantled from the mindset of the people of saying, I stopped looking at you with color, saying that I'm colorblind. You a liar. Everybody sees color. Absolutely. But the thing is, how do you respond to color? That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. How can you sit back and say that you that we are together in this fight? I'm sitting here like this and listen, I'm not holding nobody back. When I sit back and see um, Asians in the community calling black people as low as everything else, running nail salons and still looking at people going through uh, having some beauty supply stores and then constantly looking at the negatives of go what goes on in the community. But at the entire time, they take money from our communities and then turn around and put it into theirs. But then at the same time, say that we're less than in every other way. Yes, I'm coming for everybody. Yeah. Everybody can get these hands today. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we have to come together and be and go beyond that and start really saying, let's really not just dialogue, but let's put some action behind it. Let's break down some systems together and let's put it into legislative law. Let's put this together because you cannot break something that's over the law of the land. You can't break it until you change the law to make sure that we hold people accountable for the behaviors that's going on. We cannot allow church to be the platform in order to continue to perpetuate the issues that's going on in our communities when the church was established in order to be the answer for the issues in the community. Absolutely. And what you're saying and what you said, that, that's really a good point to wrap up with because everything that we've discussed from pride to racism, to unawareness of self. All of that is stuff that you take from the world yeah. that you bring into the house of God. They bring in a dirty and muddy feet. They dusty feet. And we're not saying we're not saying you have to be perfect. We're not saying that we're not all sinners. But what we're saying is there's a certain reverence that we should have with what we will and what we will not bring into the house of God. Yeah. One of the biggest things that have caused toxic church cultures is not necessarily the building. It's not because of the pews. Nope. It's because of what's brought in. We want the people in. We want your souls to be fed. We want your spirits to grow. In the word of God, the training, the, exege the correct exegetical teachings yeah. of the Bible. But one of the things that we do have to take into account is what do you bring in personally that either contributes to the culture being toxic or what do you bring that helps remove away those elements yeah. that have caused it to become toxic? Yeah. It, it, this, this, wasn't, this wasn't a podcast tonight to try to get people to say, ooh, 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 we're condemning the church. No, 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 no. 
we're taking an intrinsic look at the things that people themselves bring with them that either contribute to the toxicity or helps remove the toxicity that has been built up previously. I'll even throw this out there, too, because that's a very valid point. The closer that we come to ministry, the closer that we come to God, here's something that I've always known. And this is other things that some people that's listening, they, they you should know as well. <clears throat> Whenever you get closer to God, you realize something. The closer that you get to him, the further you realize you are from him. Oh, yeah. Another thing is the closer you get to God, the more that you realize of how worthy you, you are not. Absolutely. And then with the closer you get to God. God will begin to expose certain things inside of you in order to prune you to have you prepared to receive from the heart and from the spirit. God is a spirit. He's not flesh and blood. That's right. And we have to understand them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's right. We understand the scripture, but let's bring some practicality to it. How can I worship something in the spirit when I do not allow my spirit to change my natural? Mm. If my natural constantly is trying to be at war against my spirit, then that means that I'm not allowing the spirit of God to literally lead me to mm. take away those things that are not pleasing unto him. I got you. So you mean to tell me people, people's issue is trying to be naturally super instead of supernatural? supernatural. Yes. The goal, the goal of church is not in order for us to just jump, dance, and shout and scream, and bang our heads on the pews, and all that other good stuff. That's cool. But the real purpose is literally, it's a personal relationship and development, growth purposed between you, your Savior, and your Father. That's the goal. So if you're coming for anything other than that, this is just the extra. If they have a great children's ministry, that's awesome. If they have a great uh, young adult ministry, that's awesome. They have a great Bible study teaching. That's awesome. The, the whole purpose and goal is in order for you to be able to be open enough with your father, open enough to hear the spirit of God, open enough to receive your savior, open enough to understand that I am a mess. I need to change. And in order to do that, I have to allow my barriers, my walls to come down so that I can truly follow the first rule. Love, love your love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor, because how else will they know that you are disciples of mine if you don't have love for one to another? That's right. So what we have to realize is, in order for the discipleship to manifest, it has to be love. Mm -hmm. That's how they see that we're believers. When you look at other faiths across the world, I'm not knocking them. I'm telling this. This is what they do. One constant is. In a generalistic mindset, there is love shared from one to another, regardless of background. Absolutely. Regardless of status, regardless of influence, regardless. Everybody comes at a level playing field, and that's all I'm trying to push out to people. That's right. Let's level the playing field and really just love one another like we do. How is it that the world can say we can be, they can be accepted of everything else and that we should push love, we should push love, not realizing that we, we're seeing this in the natural but yet we need to understand if that's going on in the natural, what's going on in the spirit? Absolutely. That there's a cry for love. Listen, love is what covers the multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. Kiss this. 
You can have issues with people. If you're a mother, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If, your, if your family member, the person that you were closest to, to you, if they have something that, that they harmed you that was intentional or not intentional, if you truly love them and you communicate with them constantly, you can forgive them and be able to cover that sin That's right. with love. That's right. But if you cannot understand how to truly love one another as though it is yourself, meaning if you look at another person, that means that you don't have prejudice in your eye, but you look at them saying, how can I be of service and help to you? When I look at another person, can I say, you know what, this is the issue. Let me see if I can help them in some way. I don't have no, I'm not looking for recognition. I'm not looking for anything else. I'm doing this because if I was in this same position, my daddy told me like this. He always used to do certain things and I used to question him, but I understand this now. He said, I would do these things and help people out when there was in bad situations, not because of if I'm ever there, but just in case if my children are ever there, Mm -hmm. that they'll be able to look out for my children the way that I'm looking out for them. That's right. That's right. That's to me. That's the concept of what we should be striving for. A good name. As a as a good name in our faith. That's right. Not just in our individual person. But in our faith, can people look at us and say that I love their spirit and I love how they walk in their faith? That's right. Can I can can we really look at ourselves in the mirror and say that tonight? Can I look at myself and say, I love the person that I am. I love the person that I'm becoming because I understand that I'm exuding love. Man, I can get to a whole nother conversation with that. But we got to go. No, you're good. But can we exude that? Man, I'm just uh, H close this out, bro. Because if, right. if not, man, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna go. I'm all, all right, all right. Father, I thank you for tonight. Mm. I thank you for the opportunity that we have had to discuss you, to discuss the church, to discuss issues, and to discuss potential solutions. Lord God, we know that this will not be possible without the Holy Spirit. We know that this would not be possible without your wisdom, your guidance, and your ways being involved. So we ask in the name of Jesus, in the spirit realm, that you would bring down the strongholds that have held our churches captive. The toxic culture is that the enemy has tried to manifest, Lord God. We, We break the strongholds. We break the chains, we break the spells, we break the curses that have been spoken, both in word and in action and deed. Yes. We speak that there will be a revival that would come in the church, not a guest preacher, but a revival with the presence of God being amongst the multitudes and you performing signs and miracles and wonders and deliverance breaking forward and chains being snapped and generational curses falling off of people, families, and entire cities. We ask that according to what we know in the book of Acts, that when Philip went to Samaria, that he began to preach with such power and such deliverance that you grabbed the stronghold and brought it down over the entire city. So we ask for those who are spiritually lame. We ask for those who are spiritually crippled. We ask for those who the church and toxic cultures have left spiritually fragmented, that this will be a podcast of healing, self-intrinsic perception 
get past the flesh and find the real image that is found in Christ Jesus yes. of who each and every one of us are and allow us to bring that to church and allow us to bring that with the Holy Spirit and allow us to bring that with your word and your understanding. Yes. It is in the name of Jesus that we do pray and we do ask these things. Amen.